You guys ready for number 20 in Revelation? We've done 20 of these. And so, and I just, I want to thank my wonderful mother for coming tonight. I love my mother. I love my mother. And so, <laughs> Revelation chapter 1. If, if you have the Apostle John, quick review on some of the things that I haven't talked about in a while, who is one of, was one of Jesus' disciples, has a vision of Jesus, and you have Jesus commanding him in Revelation 1, the book of Revelation, a revelation of Jesus Christ, to write the things which thou hast seen, past, the things which are at the present, and things which shall be or will be. If you have John in chapter 1 saw a vision of Jesus Christ, and that's what he saw in the past. He starts writing. Then John follows with Revelations chapter 2 and 3, the seven letters to seven churches, which were at the time written to seven churches in western Turkey. And we went into great detail to explain why many commentators believe that the chapters in Revelation 2 and 3 are not just written to those churches at that time. They are written to the end time church today. And we, we pointed out over and over and over why. A lot of that that was written under those churches was not compromising in the times that they were in. The heavy, paganistic, evil, evil times. And don't compromise with where the world is going. And you can see that in the church today. The church is literally splitting down the middle. And those guys playing in the middle, they just don't think they're going to ever say anything about it. They will have to, they will have to choose. You watch. And, and it makes Revelations 2 and 3 uh, probably the most important chapters in the book, along with chapter 12. The church today, the body of Christ, I'm telling you, is in a process of splitting. If you're paying attention minister that I have followed for probably five years out of Tulsa. Probably one of the most prolific, successful pastors at this time. Top, top five if you talk about his influence. People watching him worldwide. Just came out and said publicly uh, that he's to the point where he's going to start doing gay marriages he said this sermon that in the, he said in this sermon he wishes there was an other box, male, female, and an other box to check in heaven. And I'm telling you, if you and, and you know, and it culminated with an Easter service that it was in the press over in England. This isn't anything new. Look it up, where he had a, he had a woman on the cross, okay, a woman on the cross, and you can you, you know where that's going. And I'm just saying, it's it's. You know, I, how many sermons I had listened to this guy, if you go back five years, and, and, and it's a spirit of deception, okay? And that's why you use your authority, against the spirit of deception. Every day, that spirit, in my opinion, ought to be named. I name that spirit every day, and, and you know, you, you, you've got churches either going you know, pure, woke, 
Or you've got churches that are just remaining silent, and they're not going to be able to remain silent. They're going to have to choose. And these guys are trying to change what the Bible says on this, or they're flat out going against the Bible. And so um, they're compromising. Same reasons you had the church compromising um, in Revelation 2 and 3. And those chapters are calling it, they're calling it. In Revelation 2 and 3, those letters to those seven churches are telling you what is going on now. It is a warning from Jesus Christ to the church at the end time. Revelation is really split into three sections. The vision in chapter 1 is the first part. Write the things that were. Revelations 2 and 3, write the things that are. And they literally are right now. And then we have the third section in Revelation right now, chapters 4 through 22. If you're splitting it into three sections, and that, those are the things to come. Right, what a coincidence, right after all this information to the churches, don't compromise. You've got to watch in these times. You've got to watch. You've got to pay attention. He's telling these churches, quit compromising with these doctrines of Balaam, um, which it's paganistic type doctrine, and they were doing it for a lot of reasons, to be accepted by the world, but then suddenly, you get out of those seven letters, Revelation 4.1, after I, this, I looked, beheld, a door was opened in heaven, this is John, and the first voice that I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, I will show you things which must be hereafter. That word in the Greek, metatauta, after this, is translated metatauta. And this is the view of many commentators. This scripture represents the rapture. Because you had John being shot forward in time, gets a preview of the rapture. John says, I looked, a door is open in heaven. The first voice I heard was a trumpet. Sound familiar? Then the voice said, come up hither, I will show thee th- these things to come hereafter. Again, it ends with that word, metatauta. And so Revelation 4, 1 through 19, a lot of prophecy experts, scholars, people that write commentary on Revelation believe that Revelations chapter 4 through 19 is an expansion of the last four verses of Daniel chapter 9. These two books really go well together. And we did a whole 18 messages, chapter by chapter, verse by verse on the book of Daniel. You can look that up on YouTube if you're interested. Uh, Revelation 4 through 19 is what scholars call an expansion of the 70th week of Daniel. The 70th week of Daniel is the great tribulation. And we, we proved it when we went through it. And really, we're doing this series to keep people from having to go through the 70th week of Daniel, the great tribulation. Looking back a few chapters, remember chapter 10, you had John being told to eat that little book. He was told to prophesy in regards to many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Chapter 11, John wrote about the rebuilding of the tribulation temple, the two witnesses, and the impact they would have on the world. Chapter 12, The Apostle John writes about Satan being cast out of heaven once again, how that affects Israel and the people that are left behind after the rapture. 
and come to know Jesus in the tribulation. There will be millions that come to know Jesus in the tribulation that realize what this is. Because, why? Because people are preaching it. And they will understand. Now what we're, we're covering today, Revelation 13, to give it all the attention it needs, all the points of view, and let you decide uh, what to believe, what, what to study, we have to split this chapter into two messages. It, it, Revelation 13 tells us, so we're only going through verse 7 today, tells us two major figures, you could say powerhouses, in the tribulation, that's, that's not an exaggeration. You have the Antichrist. A lot of details on him. What happens to him? Even uh, the Bible gives one physical description of him. He's the political side of this powerhouse. Next Saturday night, we'll be looking at the false prophet. Who is, you could say, a, a religious powerhouse in the tribulation. These two end-time people merge church and state. The church and state merge. So that's what we'll be talking about in the next two weeks. Um, the second half of Revelation 13 next Saturday night. Verse 1, I stood upon the sand of the sea. And I saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads, ten horns upon his horns, ten crowds and crowns and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. There is a mistake in the translation. Everyone agrees. You see verse 13, it says, I stood upon the sand of the sea. If it were correctly translated, that would say, and he stood upon the sand of the sea. He, it's a he. It's not John himself. You've got an argument. Does this refer to Satan or the seed of Satan as it talks about in Genesis, the Antichrist? It doesn't really make a difference. John is looking upon the sand of the sea, either Satan himself or the Antichrist because you have this beast coming out of the sea. The other beast that it talks about will get there next week he comes out of the earth, that beast, the second beast. Because of the phrase, you've got him coming out of the sea, this beast, got a lot of debate. A lot of scholars believe because you have him coming out of the sea, you have that phrase. It means the Antichrist is a Gentile, not Jewish. Is the Antichrist Gentile or Jewish? It's an argument among commentators. The main, main commentators that see the Antichrist as a Gentile, it is because in the Bible the C is usually identified as many peoples. The C in the Bible many times is identified as many people groups. And so that's why they think it's a Gentile. So we see this beast coming out of the sea, ten horns, seven heads, ten crowns on his horns. Verse 2, the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him power, and his seat, and great authority. So you can see, if you remember, the illusions that were given on this creature are combined illusions from Daniel 7. Remember when um, 
Nebuchadnezzar had that dream that Daniel had to interpret. Well, can we look at the bearer image from Daniel 7? And then you have the leopard image from Daniel 7. Notice, uh, it's got four heads and four wings there. The lion image from Daniel 7. We talked about all these in detail. And the beast that represented Rome in Daniel 7. And so, verse 1 again, I stood upon the sand of the sea. I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, seven heads, ten horns, upon his horns, ten crowns, upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. So the ten horns on this beast are the ten rulers or ten governments. It's disputed. Who begin the tribulation reigning with the Antichrist. The other interesting thing is you have seven heads. And we talked about this last week. The seven heads represent, you could call these uh, seven heads even world governments when you look at them. All these seven heads were extremely pagan, noted for their wickedness. Six of these seven heads are in the past. These are also six out of these seven. They all dominated the nation of Israel. Again, we talked about the six of the seven heads, the Assyrian Empire, the Egyptian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Greek Empire, and the Roman Empire. And the name of the seventh is going to be coming what some scholars call the revised Roman Empire. That empire will be run by the Antichrist. I'm just giving you the different opinions here. Those 10 crowns on his horns represent 10 major divisions. Guy that knows a lot, not, not a lot of people know about him, but he sure, he sure put, out, put out a lot during his life. His name was Grant R. Jeffrey. And he says there's going to be 10 regions of the Antichrist world government. And he goes as far, region one, Canada and the U.S., Region 2, Western Europe and European Union, Region 3, Japan, Region 4, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and the Pacific Islands, Region 5, Eastern Europe, Region 6, Mexico, Central and South America, Region 7, North Africa and the Middle East, Region 8, Central Africa, Region 9, South and Southeast Asia, Region 10, Central Asia. Now, I want, I want to read to you from another really well-known uh, prophecy expert named Ed Henson. Most Bible commentators understand the beast of the, of the sea to be the Antichrist. All, just about all of them. Some of them say that that beast represent the world government, right? So I'm just trying to give you the different takes. But since he is associated with the same symbol given to Rome, seven heads, ten horns, back in Daniel, it is assumed that he represents the revived Roman Empire of the last days. Some people speculate this could be in the process of being formed right now. The European Economic Community, the EU, the prophet Daniel teaches that the Antichrist will come up with ten horns and uproot three of them. That's Daniel 7, 7 and 8, verses 23 through 25. There's some debate as to whether the Antichrist is one of the ten ruling divisions in the beginning, or is he an eleventh person that comes on the scene? 
that arises while the 10 are in power. I do not personally think he's one of the 10. I don't. I think he rises while they're in power. He takes over the power of a first, a second, and a third through war quickly, fast. And finally, the, the, the remaining seven see that and give their power to him. He is then head of the world government, which started with 10 divisions and was whittled down to seven. Then he takes control of the whole thing. And I wish I could say what happens to America, but it would all be speculation. All that can be said is that Europe is going to replace America as the dominant power in the world, according to the Bible. Those countries, if you look at those countries now, they were inside the old Roman Empire. It will be 10 of it will be 10 of them or, or Europe as one of those 10 areas. Looking at Revelation 3.2, notice that this beast is a combination of the four beasts that Daniel prophesied about when he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream. We spent some time on these beasts. Um, let, me, let, me, let me just, so you don't forget, Revelation 13.2. The beast which I saw was like a leopard, most of his body. His feet were the feet of a bear, his mouth, the mouth of a lion. So he's mostly a leopard. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Remember these guys. These are in the spirit. These are these spirits that represented these empires. It's what they look like. The lion represented Daniel is the Babylonian empire. You had the bear representing the Persian empire. And the leopard representing the Greek empire. Then you had this creature that Daniel said was so horrifying he could not explain representing the Roman empire. We showed you that. And remember, Daniel prophesied ahead of time. He told Nebuchadnezzar right there with the statue on the statue dream. Persians are going to take your, your kingdom. And, and the Greeks are going to take it from them. And the Romans over time, piecemeal, are going to take it from the Greeks. He prophesied this hundreds of years in advance, called these empires. Well, this creature that we just read about here represents the Antichrist that's coming out, standing on the sand of the ocean. But digging farther into it, this lion communicates arrogantly. He's very noted for his roar. Remember, the Nebuchadnezzar had a pride issue. And God dealt with them. Nebuchadnezzar was the Babylonian king. The lion represented the, the Babylonians in the book of Daniel. The bear representing the Persian empire, although powerful, was ponderous, slow moving. Huge armies took years to get places. I think it took them a year to get two million troops to Greece. And they were so big in a sense, they overran everyone of their size. A lot of times you show up with a million men back in that day, you don't even have to fight. Half the time, the Persians didn't even have to fight because their army would just go on for miles. Although the Greeks fought them and beat them three times. The leopard representing the Greeks because it conquered swiftly. It had four heads. Now, these are all going to be characteristics of the Antichrist, okay? It but remember, that beast is mostly a leopard. It had four heads because when Alexander died, the Greek empire was split between his top four generals. 
The leopard having wings just emphasizes the swiftness with which the Greeks were able to conquer armies and countries they fought with. So you can see the Antichrist has more of this leopard in him than the other creatures. Real interesting information reading a commentator. He says the leopard part of this beast refers to a future Arab coalition. The Antichrist and a group of Arab nations will act as one body. He points out leopards are native to Africa and have been used at various times as a symbol for African nationality. The author, this author, commentator, says the feet like a bear in the spirit refers to what's left, what will be left of the Russian army after trying to invade Israel in Ezekiel 38 and and God takes them out. He will be supported by the Russians because of the bear, the lion. This commentator says, refers to, these are views I'd never heard. That's why I'm giving them to you. Refers to England and the nations established by England because the symbol of England is a lion. Obviously, we know the Antichrist and all his power comes from Satan. I see some commentators say that he is an actual incarnation of Satan. This is conjecture. We do not know if these countries, Russia, Arab, coalition, England, representing these animals, mean anything. I'm just trying to give you all the points of view. But we do know the Bible is painting a complex picture of this guy. And just to show you, uh, we had an, uh, an artist we, that we found online, what this creature looks like that John sees. The best we could do. Some of these pictures are great. Um, but this one was, this is the Revelation 13:2 beast, what, what he saw, if we could put that up, we could put that up. So you got the horns, you got the mouth of a lion, the feet of a bear, the body of a leopard. Um, verse three, I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. Two major points of view here. I find this very interesting. I'm going to go through both. You have the seven heads that represented seven world governments in the past. And the Bible just told us one of those heads had a fatal wound. Now commentators believe this, the Antichrist during his reign will appear to receive a fatal wound in some type of assassination attempt. And this wound gets healed. It will appear that the Antichrist died and was raised from the dead. Just another attempt of the devil trying to mimic what Jesus did. Trying to symbolize the fact that the Antichrist can do anything Jesus did. Quoting Hal Lindsey, The apostle John is saying he saw one of the beast's heads as if it had been killed. When his mortal head wound looks as if it's it's miraculously healed, that's kind of the final nail in the coffin for the world buying into the Antichrist. They will be sold on him. Commentators are split on this opinion because a guy named Vernon McGee, quoting him, there are many who have taken the position The the beast, the Antichrist, is actually raised from the dead. 
by either the false prophet or Satan himself. This cannot be because Satan does not have power to raise from the dead. That power has not been given to him. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that can raise from the dead. I believe the beast is a man who will exhibit a counterfeit imitation resurrection. They'll all be smoke and mirrors. All be smoke and mirrors on video. Doctored. There, this will be a great delusion, the big lie of the great tribulation, this commentator says. We are told that God will give them power to believe the big lie. 2 Thessalonians 2.11. And this is part of the big lie. So you guys that believe, the guys that believe that, that the Antichrist fakes his death, this is what the scripture they're going by. 2 Thessalonians 2.11. Can we get that in the Amplified? If we could, I just feel like it, it, it really it, it explains a lot more. I know you guys are going to have to scramble, but you can see the script. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Therefore, God sends upon them amplified, then I do have the amplified them, a misleading influence, working of error and a strong delusion to make them believe what is false. So that's what these guys are saying. No, 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 he fakes it. He fakes his death and resurrection. The whole thing's a fake job, but it works. The scripture explaining the Antichrist is why these guys think it's all a setup. Because 2 Thessalonians 2.11 is talking about the Antichrist. But the other take on this is one of the heads that were wounded is actually referring to a fallen angel, the same one, that assisted Alexander the Great in conquering the world. Remember the leopard? He's saying the leopard was injured. That's the beast. It looked like a leopard. Symbolized the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great, Daniel 11.6. That beast being injured, this guy is saying when Alexander died, it's biblical evidence that this fallen angel at that time was locked by God into the bottomless pit that assisted him. Revelation 17, 8. He points to this. The beast you saw once was, but now is no more. But he's going to come up out of the abyss, the bottomless pit, and proceed to go to perdition. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been recorded in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be astonished when they look at the beast because he once was Now is no more, but he's coming. He's coming. So this powerful fallen angel being locked away under when Alexander died has been reserved for the time of the Antichrist. And this guy says that this beast's ability to make war is so amazing. Alexander conquered the world in 10 years. The world. Hitler couldn't do Europe and Russia in, 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 in five. He says the phrase that we read here, the fact that his deadly wound was healed refers to the fact that that beast, the leopard, released out of the bottom was pit to aid the Antichrist in regards to making war the way he aided Alexander the Great. He's going to aid the Antichrist the same way. Everything's going to be swift. It's going to be dominant. It's going to be cruel. And it says that the Lord locked him away 
It is the Lord who will release the beast at an appointed time. You say, well, why is the Lord releasing this thing? It's all about judgment. Satan has more latitude than he's ever had in the last three and a half years of the tribulation than he will ever have known before, including certain fallen angels that have been locked away. We talked about those guys in the Euphrates River weeks ago, chained at the bottom of the Euphrates, which is now drying up. It's about judgment. Even people that denied him didn't believe it, and they get smart in the tribulation because they see, they see Jim Hammond preaching on YouTube because YouTube doesn't take them down. So they start researching. You don't think people are going to be researching? It's going to be a huge rumor. That was the rapture. That's why they're gone. They're going to have to convince the world how these people left and why are they all Christians. They're going to hide that. These people get smart, right? But they were left behind. They were left behind. And they don't accept the mark. And they're going to go through that judgment. And that is why we're doing the series. To keep people out of that judgment. Remember Matthew 8, 29, that guy that had all the demons. Legion. What's your name? Legion. The maniac of Geradera. Those demons also said to Jesus, are you here to torment us before the time? Well, that time is coming. They know there's a time. They even went on to say in Luke, they said, they, said they, were, they were trying to talk Jesus into not commanding them into the deep, which is the bottomless pit. This guy, when, when, whatever happens here, whether one opinion, he's assassinated, and he really is and really raised, there's that kind of power, or it's an illusion, and it's a delusion, and he fools the world, the world sees on their iPhone, He's raised from the dead. This guy, he'll probably be dead three, three days too, you know that? It'll probably be three days. And, and this guy will be on every newscast, subject of every conversation, talk show. The world will be amazed at him and blown away. Verse four, they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. They worshiped the beast saying, who is like, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So this is a big moment here. You have every single person at that world, in the world, except the ones that at that point don't have the mark and are probably hiding, amazed at the Antichrist. They'll think he's a superhero. They're willing to walk through fire with him. Think about all the world's been through up to this point. All the sealed judgments. The trumpet judgment. They're looking for a guy like this. He's going to fix it. Satan has always wanted to be worshipped because of his pride. So it caused him, that caused him to lose his position in heaven. So at this point, when the Antichrist is resurrected, these commentators are saying that satanic worship will be the worldwide rage. Because of those words, the church of Satan will dominate the one world religion. And the occult will be in charge. 
Satan doesn't care if they worship the Antichrist personally because the Antichrist is getting his power from Satan. So if they're worshiping the Antichrist, they're worshiping Satan. They actually say, who is the Antichrist? Who can defeat him? They're going to believe this guy's invincible. Stepping back a little, it's very possible the Antichrist could receive or fake the assassination, get raised from the dead, plus that demon gets released. We don't know. It could be both. But going to be, you know, we're going to be in heaven saying, we're just going to be saying, oh, oh, that's what it is. That's what it is. While we're on the Antichrist, let's look at the only physical, somewhat physical description of him in the Bible. Zechariah Zachari has some great, just things put in here and there about the end. You know, the whole, whole Armageddon is in, is in Zechariah 12, in four, chapter 12 and 14. Zechariah 11, 17. Woe to the worthless and foolish shepherd who deserts the flock. That is This is talking about the Antichrist. The sword shall smite his arm and his right eye. His arm shall be utterly withered, his right eye utterly blinded. This is talking about the Antichrist, and that's why these guys believe he's going to get a sword or a bullet in the right eye. And there are commentaries that believe he will actually be healed, that he will actually be wounded, and the false prophet raises him. Remember, we're talking about the false prophet next week, next, next Saturday night for sure. A lot of commentators go so far as to say that his followers identify with him by taking a mark on the forehead and the hand. He was wounded in the arm and the eye. So it's, it's out of... It's out of uh, Loyalty to him. They worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. Verse 4. They worshiped Satan himself. The dragon is Satan himself. Looking at the phrase, they worshiped the dragon. That, that's Satan. Because of that phrase, many commentators believe the, the world is going to be one big church of Satan. You have a church of Satan today. There's a first church of Satan in Minneapolis. The guy that founded Satanism, the church of Satan, Anton LaVey, used to have a house on Lake of the Isles. We used to ding-dong ditch it in high school. I don't know if he still lives there. Revelation 13, 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. This is the Antichrist. And the power is given unto him to continue 40 and two months. So he's got three and a half years to do pretty much what he wants. It's, there's nothing restraining him at this point. So this is a major characteristic. The Antichrist is going to be an amazing orator. But you have all through Daniel, he is shooting off his mouth. All through Daniel. You have that three and a half year timeline in verse five. This is 42 months is the most documented period of time in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You have 42 months, three and a half years, seven, half of a seven year period, 1260 days. Last week and in Daniel, a time times and a half a time. That's translated 
Three and a half years. Verse 6, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about that. You can see this playing out. Everybody, the rumor that, oh, they're all Christians that disappeared. Why did all Christians disappear? Well, they're going to try to squelch that. The same way the news tries to squelch stuff today. Squelch all kinds of things. I could tell you, tune in to the Final Hour podcast. We'll tell you what they squelch. We'll tell you what you're not hearing. And the Antichrist will be an anti-God, anti-church, anti-Semitic. I mean, you have him slandering the people who aren't even on earth. Why? Because he's, he's going to be slandering the people that win the rapture. He's, he's going to be saying bad things about us, about why we were taken by the, by the aliens. Okay? I mean, why are they releasing all this stuff on UFOs now? And they kept it secret for 50 years. As we close today with this verse, remember, we do the last 11 verses of this chapter next week. It was given unto him to make war with the saints. Hint, hint. And to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds tongues, nations. You can see in Jeremiah 37, it calls this period of time Jacob's trouble, referring to Israel. But it's not limited to Israel. This is worldwide. Many people that study this book say this is worldwide just because of what we just read. He had power over all kindreds, all tongues, and all nations. We just read it. So if you think this thing is just going to be in the Middle East, no way or in, in Europe. What it's saying is by saying he's going to conquer to overcome the saints. That means the Gentiles that believe in Jesus will not be protected from him. That means they will not get away. That's pretty much, much what that means. Because of technology. I, I, I think, honestly, because of that, I would just come here and start a keep the church going. Hey, if you didn't go, I'm still here. <laughs> right? Or Brian Sullivan or somebody be here. <laughs> you know? Somebody be here. You watch. Somebody be here. Somebody be called to be here for that time. There are people, I believe, that are probably called. I pray it's not me. You've got people that are praying to be in the tribulation to, for that role. So, hey, more power to you. But he is going to conquer and overcome the saints. There's no way out. If you are a Gentile and you are a believer, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, you've got the Jews hiding in Petra. We talked about that last week in Jordan. There is no way out. The Jews that don't get killed first. And we, you'll find, we'll find as we go farther into Revelation, most of them, these Gentile Christians, will, will die. They will lose their heads. Kind of like the French Revolution thing. You know, they use those guillotines. Do you really want to risk that? 
Can you see standing in that line trying to talk yourself out of it? Nah, is the mark. I know they said this was coming. But if I just get the mark, I'm out. I don't lose my head. Can you imagine the, the war as you're seeing people's heads? The warfare. A lot of people will, will say, I'm getting it. And they'll talk themselves out of it. You know it. It'll be a public thing. I know it will. It's not going to be a private thing. It's going to be on TV. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be like the Roman Empire and the Colosseum. Look at the, the, the similarities between Rome when it was falling apart and America right now. In every way, militarily, their borders started getting pushed. You can't, it's different ways. Look at, look at, look at the southern border with, with, with the, um, the drug people. They do whatever they want down there. They kill whoever they want. It's similar. It's just not, they're not, bar, you know, in the, the Rome, they called them the barbarians coming from Germany and Europe, and they kept pushing. But guess where it started? Terrorist acts on the Romans. And they got farther and farther and farther away. And, and deep, deep, deep into paganism. You know, Let's just forget about the fact that 80% of the Bible prophecies and 80% of the prophecies in the Bible have been fulfilled. Forget about how accurate it is. You can mock it. You can even say to yourself, if you're viewing this later, you're watching online, oh, what a joke. That stuff's a joke. But there will be a time. There will be a time if you're one of those people where you will say, he was right. And the thousands of evangelists were right pastors and apostles that came before him were right. You have an opportunity to stay out of that. And I just, I, these sermons, I want to make sure everybody has the opportunity. Romans 10.8. Sometimes we don't look at what's around Romans 10.9 and 10. Romans 10.8. What does it say? The word, God's message in Christ is near you on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Then, Romans 10, 9, that if, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, we're good, we're good, we're good, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou will be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, cleared from all guilt. With the heart you believe, with that prayer, with that confession, you're cleared from all guilt. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Verse 13, look at these verses. For whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He, can we put that, that, that sculpture up? 
I love it that we found a, a clearer, more revised, realistic edition. He did that for you. For six hours, just like that. And we, we talked about this. He stretched out, you know, and then to breathe out, he had to push up on the nails through his feet. Six hours. Hanging by nails in his hands and his feet. Do you know him? Have you said yes to him with all your heart? Online, have you said yes to him with all your heart? He can become so real to you. So real. It's a fight. It's a fight. The, we, we fight. It's called the good fight of faith. And if you do not quit, you just continue to get stronger. And that relationship gets stronger and stronger to where you get to the point where you'd never want to be with anyone else. Seriously. Have you lost your soul? Because he will find it for you. He will bring it back to you. He will stabilize it. And he will take away the guilt. And if you get the right preaching, if the Bible is preached, you will have no guilt. You will have no condemnation. You will understand you are forgiven, past, present, future. And you will be secure and your eternal security. So I'm just going to ask you if you guys could bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm just going to ask, I'm just going to ask because, you know, we know that most people in here are here every week and they have Jesus, but I just, and I'm talking to you online and I found out online is really two to three minutes behind what I'm actually saying and, but I just want I want do you really know him have you really said yes to him have you really given your soul to him so I'm just asking if, if, if you would like to do that sitting in your seat and say a prayer that guarantees it. Raise your hand now. Raise your hand now. It's just me and you. It's just me and you. I see two hands in the balcony. It's just me and you. People aren't, people are looking, people, people are bowed, their heads are bowed. I'm, we're not gonna call you up. I see the hand uh, up towards the front in the middle. You can put that hand down. You can put the hands in the balcony down. Any other hands? Any other hands besides those three hands? Online, there's a button. You can say it. You can say, I want that. I want to know him. I want to ask him. I want to say that prayer. I want to confess him with my mouth. The, you know what you just said by raising your hand? I believe. If you didn't believe, you wouldn't have raised your hand. So you're halfway there. You said by raising your hand, I believe. Is there anybody else? Anybody else in the 
in the sanctuary or anyone online. I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put that hand down. That's four. Is there any other hands? I'm going to make sure we're not missing anyone. And the online stuff comes in a few minutes late. But, 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 but if, it, if this was not for anybody else, it's done for the four people. Tonight was done for the four people that raised their hands. The Lord talked to me about this many months ago. And he said, you have got to do this. You have got to do this. Anybody else? Oh, I see that hand. Thank you so much for that hand. That's five. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You just said, I believe. I believe he died and rose again for me. Or you wouldn't have raised your hand. I see that hand. I see those two hands. Six, seven. Thank you so much. Any other hands? I see that hand. Eight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see that hand. Nine. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Let's, let's, let's pray. I just, I need you to pray. Repeat after me. Everybody in here, but the people that raise their hands, just saying this to God. We're doing what we just read in the Bible. We, we just read, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, I tell you what, if you didn't believe, you wouldn't have raised your hand. You wouldn't have. What's the point then? Why raise your hand if you don't believe? Thank you, Lord. Just repeat this prayer after me. Dear God in heaven, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he died for my sins on the cross and was raised from the dead three days later. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to be my Savior, and be my Lord. Thank you for saving me now. Amen. 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 Thank you for those nine people. Thank you for raising your hand. And you know what? There it is. That you just did what the Bible said to do. You just did. You just called on the name of God. You will be saved. You will be saved. When, and when we're, when we're going up in the rapture, I want you to point at me. Okay, and then I'll know. I'll know you're one of them.